Last week, we saw a vision of the kingdom, a world in which the king grants forgiveness and commissions us to do likewise. This week, we get a deeper look into what it means to be a citizen of this kingdom. As we'll see, it means rejecting the values of this world and adopting the values of the kingdom. It means reorienting our relationship to power and sticking it to the man. Tune in to find out how, exactly, Jesus calls us to do this. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Let us be attentive. But look, someone approached him and said, Teacher, what good thing must I do to have life for all time? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about goodness? Only one is good. But if you want to enter into life, guard and observe the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus told him, You are not to commit murder. You are not to violate marriage. You are not to steal. You are not to give lying testimony. Honor your father and mother, and you are to love the one next to you the way you love yourself. The young man said to him, I have observed all these things. What's still missing for me? Jesus said to him, If you want to be as you were meant to be, then go and sell everything you have and give the money to the destitute, and you'll have a storehouse full in the skies, and come and follow me. But when he heard this condition, the young man went away, stung, as he possessed a great deal. Then Jesus said to his students, Amen, I tell you that a rich man will have a hard time entering the kingdom of the skies. And I tell you again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter God's kingdom. But when his students heard, they were quite stunned, and they said, Who then can be rescued? Looking intently at them, Jesus said to them, With human beings, this is impossible, but everything is possible with God. That reading is from Matthew nineteen sixteen through 26 Last week, we learned about the kingdom of God, what it's like. We discovered that it's like a king who forgives his slave an outrageous debt. The only expectation is that the slave pay forgiveness forward. This week, we learn how to be citizens of this kingdom. In today's reading, we hear the story of a rich young man who comes to Jesus wanting to know what good thing he can do to be saved or rescued. Jesus tells him that one is good, which is God. This is probably a reference to the Shema. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. And this one who is good has already declared what the good is through his law. All this young man has to do is obey the law. And because this is the gospel of Matthew, obedience to the law is to fulfill the law. After all, Matthew tells us that Jesus came not to abolish it, 
but to fulfill it, a command that is now given to this young ruler. However, for whatever reason, and despite this young man having kept all the commandments, he feels there is something still lacking. So he presses Jesus to go even further, and Jesus does. In Greek, Jesus says, E thelis teliosine, ipaga polisonsu, ta iparchonda kedos ptokos, ke exis thisavron en uranis, ke devro akulithimi. Most English translations begin with Jesus saying, If you want to be perfect. Perfect here is a translation of teleos, which can mean perfect or complete, or in the context of Matthew, having fulfilled the law. The translation by Sarah Rudin, which I read at the beginning of this podcast, translated Jesus' words as, If you want to be as you were meant to be. I think this is a nice way of putting it. Fulfilling the law has something to do with being who we were meant to be. This puts the law into a different perspective. Instead of being something restrictive, it's a guide, as Paul put it in Galatians. It's a guide that sets us on the right path. It helps us walk the way and find meaning in our human existence. So, what is this meaning? Well, it's good stewardship of God's creation. It's reflecting His love and care, or forgiveness, if we want to draw on last week's reading, into the world. I'll again use the New Revised Standard Version to quote what Jesus said. Sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. But this isn't quite what the Greek actually says. The problem word is ptochos, translated as poor here. Poor implies people who don't have many means, but they do have some. In the ancient world, poor folks would have been the peasants, that is, the ancient farmers. They would have been able to put food on the table and a roof over their heads. It may not have been much, and though they may not have been thriving, they would have at least been surviving. But this isn't what ptokos means. The Greek word that's equivalent to our English word poor is actually penis, not ptokos. So what does ptokos mean? It actually means destitute, which is how Sarah Rudin translated it. The destitute aren't simply poor. They are folks who have been pushed to begging because of social, structural, or systemic injustices. It's not that they don't have much, it's that what they had was taken from them. The cards were stacked against them, and they have no means to make a living. They are outcasts, and so they have to resort to begging. They have to rely on the mercy of other people. These folks could be widows whose husbands have died, and now they don't have a way of earning a living. They could be children whose parents have also died, and now they have to live on the streets. They could be foreigners who aren't allowed to work. They could be political refugees who have been exiled. Whoever they are, they are truly the least of these. And it's these folks to whom Jesus says this man must give his money. But there's also one more thing this man has to do. After giving away everything, he has to follow Jesus. What Jesus gives this man isn't just an ethical code or a moral way of living. 
There's a religious dimension following Christ. The young man isn't to give everything away just to feel better about himself or to fulfill the law, but he has to do it out of obedience to Christ. It's in this obedience, this following, that there's a difference. But this rich young man walks away stung, as our translation put it. He was rich, and he couldn't bear to be parted from his wealth. To think about it from a different perspective, this young man has a warped relationship with money and the power of this world. Remember, money is power, and that is what runs this fallen world. The key, though, is also remembering that we are Christians, and therefore we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of the kingdom in answer to a different power. In order to break free from the power of this fallen world, we must change our relationship with money so that we are not taken in and enslaved by the values, the demons of this world. Here's how an early Christian put it. Christians live each in his own native country, but they're like resident aliens. They discharge their duties as citizens and submit themselves to every burden. Every foreign country is home to them, and every home country is foreign territory. They are in the world, but they do not live according to the world's ways. They spend their time on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the established laws, but their way of life transcends those laws by far. They love their fellows, but they are persecuted. They are misunderstood and condemned. They are killed, and in this way they win life. They are poor and make many rich. They lack everything and abound in all things. They are despised, and in this contempt they find their glory. They are slandered, and they are in the right. They are insulted, and they give blessing. In a word, what the soul is to the body, Christians are in the world. The soul is spread over all the limbs of the body, as Christians have spread over all the cities of the world. The soul inhabits the body, as Christians inhabit the world without being of the world. Although it is invisible, the soul is housed in a visible body. So too with the Christians. They are clearly seen to be in the world, but the worship they offer to God remains invisible. The soul is shut up in the body, and yet it is the soul that maintains the body. Christians are, as it were, imprisoned in the world, yet it is they who maintain it. The soul becomes better by purifying itself through hunger and thirst. When Christians are persecuted, their numbers increase day by day. So noble is the post assigned to them by God that they are not allowed to desert it. That was the letter to Diognetus. To be citizens of the kingdom and answer to God as our king, Jesus says we must give our money away and follow him. The young man is unable to do that. It's interesting, though. I think there's a play between what Matthew calls this man, which is a young man, and what he's called to be that is, perfect or complete? Or could we even translate it as mature? In other words, in order to become complete, this young man has to grow up. He has to mature. And apparently that's something he's unable to do. He will forever remain a young man that's enthralled, like many young men, with the glittery objects of this world. 
What Jesus calls this man to is to maturity by rejecting the power of this world and becoming a citizen of the kingdom instead. But maturity requires responsibility. Not only do we have a social responsibility to pay forgiveness forward, as we learned last week, but we also have a social responsibility to use our money in a way that reflects the values of the kingdom instead of our fallen world. We've been entrusted with power in order to bring God's loving stewardship into the world, and this includes the care for the least of these. Perhaps this is our protest against the world, against our governments. Instead of adopting their ethics about money and wealth, we instead use our wealth to help the least of these. Instead of investing our money in helping Wall Street, we give it away. Instead of allowing our money to work for the banks, we invest in God's people. It seems that Jesus' command is a protest against the world. Now, this may sound impossible. After all, we have to live in this world. We have to feed our families. We have to pay our taxes. Well, if you're thinking that, you're in good company. That's what the disciples were also thinking. So they asked Jesus about it. Jesus' reply, Well, he said, with human beings, this is impossible, but everything is possible with God. We have to learn how to trust that God is the King. We have to trust that we are citizens of this kingdom of heaven and not of this world. Until next time, keep walking the way. God bless.